Hey. Hey. I don't know. I, I thought we'd just kind of like enjoy the song for a minute before we started the show. I don't know if it bleeds onto the mic, but if any song does, this does. This is just like... Yeah, things are different this week. Things are different this week. We're back where we started in the, in the back room. Right. Our, for the first time since our first episode, we're in the back room. And we're the only ones in the back room. Uh, it recently, having been encountered by three Los Angeles... Uh, encountered by? <laughs> we, we were encountered by them. I feel like it, it was... Uh, we were the object of their encounter. They're like, you guys do a podcast over there? <laughs> I, was on, I was on my way to the restroom, and one of them asked, you know, hey, are, are you doing a podcast? <laughs> I love that that's just a question now that people like... Right. It's they saw the ask. mic. They saw me setting up, and but then he also did the thing where he's like, "Do I know you from somewhere?" Yeah, he also said that. It also always feels kind of fake. He's like, "Guy, guy with a mustache. Are you yeah. are you that mustache guy?" No. Yeah, it does sound. But he actually were you like, said, "Were you like maybe you saw me on that Shutterstock commercial?" <laughs> Is that your go-to line? Shutterfly. <laughs> Sorry. Well. And Instacart. Come on. Yeah, as seen on the internet. All the internet commercials. But he watching. actually asked me, he said, you look kind of familiar, and he said, are you a food critic or something? He said that? He said that, yeah. Oh, wow. And I said, I just live in the neighborhood, and I do write about food, although I'm not a food critic. Uh, but So I got a card from one of them and invited them to come on the show, and they're interested. Which is weird, because when I brought up the subject, the possibility of us starting to have guests on the show, you're like, whoa, we can't do that. It's like, you just... I think that there's something special about what we have going on that... I don't want to just open it up to willy-nilly, you know, guests. But I think if these guys are regulars, like one of them said that he had been coming here for up to 20 years. Yeah, he said Martha's been waiting for like 18 years or something. 18 to that. 20. It, that was an interesting way of putting it. Martha's been taking care of me for 18 to 20 years is what he said. Very specific. And um, It kind of makes it sound like a jail sentence when you put it that way. <laughs> 18, 18 to 20. Uh for good behavior he got out at 18 <laughs> but we'll find out uh, maybe when we have these gentlemen on the show I have, I have one of their cards he's a captain in the uh, LA fire department the officer well I don't know what his rank was I didn't recognize by his uniform but the man who's been taken care of by Martha for 18 to 20 years is former LAPD which you do see a lot of LAPD cruisers in the parking lot of the Astro. And I feel like they always sit back here. They always sit in this back room. Yeah. Which uh, they, the firefighters said like, oh yeah, we've been told that this is kind of just for private stuff. Yeah. So usually Martha seats us in the back booth in the main room. This is the cops and podcasting section right. of the Astro. I mean, it opens up a lot of possibilities but we're back in the room that we described in the first episode with all the grecian paintings yeah and right next to a speaker that's just pumping the most soulless pop music you could imagine um how are you feeling david uh is my honest answer terrible it's been a really rough week um happy new year happy new year how are you feeling how's your new year how was your new year Kind of a disaster, I would say. <laughs> okay, um, give me the high level, like top reason why it was a disaster. Because uh, I was cooking Hop and John, Black Eyed Peas, the old traditional, peas, a New traditional Year's dish. supposed to bring good luck and good fortune in the year. And I was cooking it in my beloved instant pot, uh, and it exploded, uh, and hot beans and broth went all over me. And, Gave me second degree burns all over my arms and chest. Oh, gosh. And uh, it's been really painful. And uh, I'm in the phase of like healing of a bad burn where it just itches like crazy. Like right now, it itches so bad and I just want to like scratch it and I can't. But sometimes if I do this, if I just place my hand on my on the burns like this, it's a little bit of relief. Hmm. Um, so you don't want to scratch them because... Because, like, I accidentally scratched it yesterday. Like, I just couldn't... Oh. And then, like, the skin, the outer layer oh. of my skin is just, like, paper, and it just came oh. off. And then it hurt really bad, and I just had exposed, like, shiny red skin. Okay. And, uh... Warning to our listeners at home. You don't do the warning after you say <laughs> the thing. 
Well, this yeah, is an so unscripted show. I didn't know you were going to go there. <laughs> so can you that. put like cortisone on it or anything? Take Advil? I've been taking Advil. I've put an aloe and um, antibiotic ointment so that it doesn't get infected. But then, like, you know, it blisters, and then you get these, like, I don't know. I'm not going to go into the details of my burns, but I've never been burned badly like this before. It's really unpleasant. I'm so sorry. But, like, but all the, I, I, I posted a picture on Instagram with my scars, you know, just because I like to keep people updated. And all these people, like, it's by far. Maybe if you added up all the comments on every other Instagram photo I've ever had, more were on this one. <laughs> and half of it, like half of them, maybe not half. Most of them were like, "Oh my god, I hope you're okay." Blah, blah, blah. But then a lot of them were like, "I got an Instapot for Christmas too." Uh, oh my god! Like everyone's just freaking oh, yeah, out that like think their Instapot's yeah. gonna explode. And I'm like, "Don't worry, the Instapot is fine." Instant pot. Instant I call it Instapot. Yes, so do I. <laughs> but uh, I was my own fault. I so made a dumb Instant mistake. Instapot is a really popular product right now. Actually, flying off the shelves. The most popular cookbooks, the fastest selling cookbooks right now, uh, I think there are a couple of them, are connected to the Instant Pot brand. So an Instant Pot is like a rice cooker. It's a rice cooker, pressure cooker, slow cooker. It's just like a multi-use pressurized cooker. It's electric. They come in a couple sizes. You can get them now with Bluetooth. Oh, really? Yeah. And you were doing this on New Year's Eve. Yeah. I was going to take all this food to a party I was going to. So tell us, was it the Instant Pot's fault? It was not the Instant Pot's Well, I don't think so. I think it was my fault. I unplugged it because there's this feature on Instant Pot where after, you, after the cooking is done, you have to release all the pressure and you, and you flip this pressure release valve and all the steam and spews out of the ceiling, out of the top of the, inst- out of the cooker. Right, I've seen this happen. Yeah. I saw it my friend fills your Julie. house with beautiful smells. Right. But I have a bad habit of putting too much stuff in my Instapot. I'm going to call it Instapot because I don't give a fuck. Um, <laughs> and what happens is when you fill it too high up, sometimes liquid spews out when you do the depressurizing part. And so I unplug the pressure cooker and put it in my sink. And then I put a measuring cup over the top of it so all the liquid would spew onto my counter and my ceiling and all that stuff. And I think that because I unplugged the pressure cooker, there's a mechanism that prevents it from opening when it's under pressure, mm-hmm. for obvious reasons. Right. And I think that by unplugging it, maybe I just disabled that safety device. Right. And then I, it was almost completely done depressurizing, but there was still a little bit of pressure left in it, but it didn't sound like it was a lot, and I started to open it, and I shouldn't have opened it when there was any... You should only open it when it's like... When there's no um, resistance whatsoever, and there was a little bit of resistance, and I had to like really kind of like fight to open it, and then it so just, the way you open it, it's it's on like a, a tread, like you know, like a screw or a handle, and I had like my hands on the side of it, but then like this, then it was just this explosion, like it popped, and the lid flew up, and the beans and shit went everywhere, and I was screaming. I was home alone. I was just like screaming. Oh, you were, and I had to pull my shirt because like you know when a wet shirt sticks to your body and it was like sticking to my chest and that's, that's like uh cooking or kitchen 101 yeah. if you have a wet dish towel and you use it to protect your hand grabbing a, a hot cast iron pan that's the way to burn yourself the worst because yeah. the and that's, the I think that's why the burns on my the chest heat, are right? the worst i mean i think burns on your chest are generally worse because that skin is not exposed it's like not, you know like I don't wear, I don't go around shirtless often, so like, I feel like that skin I have on my chest is more sensitive, but also I had this wet, scalding shirt that took me a few seconds to like, get it off me. Just a few seconds? Yeah. And the the parts where the shirt was adhering to your skin are where the worst burns are? Yeah. Because that water was hot, or those beans were hot. All of it was... Hey Martha, how are you doing? Hello, Martha. Good morning. Good morning. Happy doing, New Year. Guys? Happy New Year. Did you have a good New Year's? Uh, yes. Working hard as usual. You had to work. Yeah. But I'm still. Were here. you Were you here at midnight? Actually, I start at two two a.m. Two a.m. Yeah. What's the? I'd imagine you get about, about like a lot of crazy drunk people. I said, no, not not really? this year. Usually is, but huh. this year was pretty quiet. That's good. Because a lot of people are afraid of driving, and there was a lot of orders to go. Yeah, that's so, smart. Yeah. Do you feel like 
It's a sign that civilization is getting Changing. is getting smarter. <laughs> getting afraid of getting. Which <laughs> is getting more fearful of the law. Fifteen thousand dollars. No DUI. Fifteen thousand dollars. Who wants to pay that now? Martha, do you have any do you have any New Year's resolutions? Lose weight, honey. <laughs> Win the lotto. The Powerball tonight. Powerball tonight. Powerball. No, no, no. I mean the Mega Million. It's tonight. Yes, tonight. What's it up to? Four hundred and fifty million, something like that. Yeah. Did you buy a ticket? Not yet, but I will. Just one? Maybe two or three. Two or three. Yeah, if you quite. won the four hundred fifty million, would you quit your job at the Astro Diner? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what would you do? Would you go on a trip? I don't know. I mean, I'll go crazy. I, <laughs> I wouldn't know what to do, but yeah, you know, I'll help my my. My family, yeah. my friends, the yeah. Oh, it's so much you can do. I mean, yeah. incredible. Help others, whoever needs it. There's so many. Do you have any regulars who you would pay their bill for them? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Like for your, you're free for life at the Asher Diner. Yeah. Oh yes, of course. You guys are gonna be free, okay? Really? I'll buy, I'll buy, I'll buy Astros and. You don't have to pay for it. You know, he wow. he did a story once about a woman who won the lottery, uh-huh. and she bought the grocery store that she worked at, uh-huh. but then she didn't know how to manage a grocery store, and it kind of went out of business. Yeah. Oh, no. I mean, you have to uh, get somebody to help you. Yeah. It's too much money. Yeah. And he, uh, that's why I'm saying I don't, I don't know exactly what I would do, Yeah. but uh, closest friends and relatives and all that, that's what I would do. Well, I'll, uh, I'll send some... Good thoughts and hope you win the lottery okay. today. Okay. <laughs> right, because three meals for us. Yeah. <laughs> How about it, huh? That would be something. Do you know what you want? I do. I think I'm going to have the machaca. The machaca? You Whoa. want corn or flour tortillas? What do you like, actually? What's better? Because sometimes a corn tortilla is... Uh, it all depends on the person because, I, I mean, corn, I then. yeah, I like corn. Yeah, I want corn. I'm not very crazy about flour tortillas. Yeah. Only, I love corn. Only for homemade. Right. Yeah. A little homemade banana. I, I'll Corn bring you some good flour tortillas. I know a place that makes them that's really good. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Sounds week. good. Thank you. All right, dear. What I will have a short stack of pancakes. Okay. And I'll order a sausage. Sounds good. We're going big this week. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's okay. You can afford it. You're, you're, you're slim. <laughs> <laughs> Not me, okay? Oh, oh you yeah. look great, yeah, No, you... I don't. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I usually always order corn, but recently I've been like asking, when you're at a place like this that isn't really like a, yeah. a place known for its tortillas, yeah. let's say. Yeah. Um, it's a place that's known for its Greek chicken. Right. We still have Which to go there. Which we have there. not tried. But have I think you had the chocolate here? No. It just sounded good. I'm glad one of us is branching out. Oh, because you've done the pancakes going my go-to before. order. Yeah. Well, glad one of us is branching out. I'm sorry. So where were we in the, the saga of the instant pot? Um, so the thing explodes. You're home alone. I screamed. Yeah. I screamed. I was just Instantly. Like, ah, yeah, insta-scream. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and then I just kind of, like, realized that I was okay. And, like, my skin wasn't, like, falling off the bone, which I feel like oh I knew gosh, meant that David. I was, like... And I was just, like, so relieved that my face was still intact. <laughs> like, I could see. My beautiful face. <laughs> well, not that the, I could see. Yeah. Sideshow Luke Perry. <laughs> I think he gets shot out of a cannon uh, through, like, a sandpaper factory. And he says, oh, my face, my beautiful face. Yeah. Or maybe it's an acid factory. Yeah. I think it's all of them, right? Doesn't he, like, go through all the different... And then he lands on... Uh, a on pillow pillows, factory. A pillow factory. Yeah. But then <laughs> they fire. zoom out to reveal that they're... Um, they're demoing the the pillow factory and it explodes. Yeah. It's just so good. Classic Simpsons. Yeah. Actually, that's what I was doing on New Year's Eve. Watching the Simpsons. I was in a roadside motel watching a Simpsons marathon. <laughs> it was a 28-hour Simpsons marathon. I don't know which hour I joined in, but wow. I saw so many classic episodes. Wow. I saw yeah, it, it was like uh, Gabbo, um, the Flaming Mo. Yeah. Uh, so many great episodes. I love those like i think it's like season like two through six yeah just amazing um at any rate so insta scream insta scream uh yeah and then i just 
I went in the shower and put cold water all over my burns, and I just like it was so it felt so good the cold water. Okay, that's the first thing you did. You ripped off the shirt. And and when I went and so you knew you had gotten it bad. Yeah. When a pressure cooker explodes into your face. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was bad. It was really bad. And there was just fucking beans everywhere. Yeah. Like, our kitchen was a, just disaster. Man. And, like, me, I'm also like, oh, my God, I'm supposed to bring all this food to this party. We're not going to have hop and chon. But also, so I was making hop and chon. Did oh, I say this? for the party. You which did, is a, yeah. Yeah. You're supposed to bring good fortune in the year. Right. Yeah, the irony. Is being soaked up. Like the I was hot telling, I was telling another dad at preschool that today, and he, he's also, he's not from the South, but he lives, spends a lot of time in the South. He owns a bunch of bars down in New Orleans, and he was just like, he was like, don't, don't, you know, don't take that as an omen. <laughs> and he's like, you can still get good fortune from the hop and I was like, thanks, thanks, you know. Did you eat any of the beans? Yeah, yeah. I'd say about half of them were still good. Um, <laughs> And so I brought them to the party. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that was my New Year's Eve. You know, it reminds me of something that happened to the singer Al Green. Really? Because when you have beans or something that is, like, conducting the heat already that can adhere to your skin, that's a really dangerous situation. It's the same concept as the wet kitchen towel. Right on the hot cast iron. Uh, there was a woman who Al Green was dating, and I believe that he was married, but at any, at any rate, she had been married. And I believe the story is that she left her husband to be with Al Green. And this is in the 70s, I believe in Memphis. And I, I believe there was an encounter at a recording studio and maybe Al Green was with... I, I'm going to bowlerize the setup here, but at any rate, it was an affair that was happening outside of one to two marriages between a woman and Al Green. And he had come home, and I believe that there was a fight, and it had settled down, and he went upstairs to take a bath. Uh-huh. And he had been cooking grits, or she started cooking grits, and she came up into the bathroom with the hot pan of grits and surprise attacked him by throwing the grits on all over his back and severely burning him. Jesus. He almost died. Jesus. Yeah. And it's the same idea. I mean, I think grits maybe even a little bit worse than beans, although yeah. it wasn't in a there were no instant pots. I mean, I don't in think Memphis it was the beans that burned me. I think it was the the stock. Oh really? Yeah. The, the liquid. liquid. Yeah. Beans yeah. don't stick to you. Well, were you wearing a long sleeve shirt? No. Because Wait. I'm looking, your forearms are covered with burns, and it, it almost looks like you're, you have strawberry birthmarks. But all up and down your, your forearms, there are these continents of sort of a deep red yeah. uh, burn. I, don't, I was not wearing a... I don't think I was wearing a... No, I was not wearing a long sleeve shirt. I was wearing a shirt that had a picture of fire all over it, actually. Oh, my goodness. It was a shirt of a... Do you know the Russian artist Peter Pavlinsky? No. He did this famous piece where... He's like a Russian distant artist where he... There's this door that the KGB would enter. It's like a famous door. Okay. And he set fire to it and has picture... It took his, this is a picture of him in front of this flaming KGB door. And I had a shirt with a print of that fire on it. When I got oh, like it's an booth. actual photograph of an actual fire on your shirt? No, no, it's a print. It's a drawing okay. of, of, of this piece, famous art piece right. that he did. His other famous piece was he nailed his testicles to cement in the red square. Really? <laughs> yeah. With, like, metal nails. Goodness um, gracious. Yeah. But I guess the, maybe that's the right shirt to be wearing. Yeah, it's like aim heat right here. <laughs> the fire on my shirt. I think that I texted you like Happy New Year and you texted me back a photo of the preliminary burns yeah. and they looked awful and I suggested that you go to the doctor and you were like, Nope. <laughs> I went to a party instead. <laughs> I called like the doctor. Later, I called the doctor okay, good. immediately. And I was like, What should I do? And she was like, Well, if the skin's not peeling and not blistering immediately, then you don't have third degree burns and there's nothing that the they're gonna do for you. So is second degree sort of the cutoff of like going to the actual burn unit? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you, I'm glad that you're it, that it wasn't worse than it was. Yeah, I am too. I'm glad I didn't get like knocked out by the lid and my face burned and then just like laying on the ground covered in. Because I don't right, know what would happen if I hadn't been able to immediately put cold water on it. You know. 
So what is the lesson for how to use the instant pot in here? What did you do wrong? Don't unplug it, I think. But also just if there's ever any resistance at all when you go to open it, don't open it at all. If it's Wait. hard to open. Because normally when you open it, it's just very easy. Yeah. And this time it wasn't easy. And But, I, you know, there's people that keep asking me, like, you have to tell me exactly what happened. I'm really afraid this is going to happen. And I'm just like, I don't know exactly what happened. Like, my best guess is that because it was unplugged, some device, and, like, and then I was impatient. Why did you unplug it? To carry it over to the sink. I tried to explain this earlier. Yeah, yeah, but take because me back through it. Because when you overfill a hot pot, an Instapot, like, liquid comes out when you go to depressurize it. And I didn't want that liquid to spew all over my kitchen. So basically, you unplugged it to correct maybe what was the, the, the initial, initial yeah, mistake, which was overfilling your, it. Don't overfill your Instapot. Just follow the instructions, folks, on your Instapot. <laughs> Do what the machine says. I think this segment is over. Okay. Are, right? you, are you reticent to use your Instant Pot again? No, not at all. Okay. I'm going to use it again. I love it. Okay, the segment's over. I'm glad that you're... Okay. Do you yeah, so need any New Year's resolutions um, around? You know, I this? haven't done any New Year's resolutions because kind of busy getting burned. I, yeah, I just like want to not be in pain. Yeah. My back still is all fucked up, and the one thing that was bringing me relief before, one of the things was going to the sauna, and like I haven't been able to go to the sauna since I got burned. Right. That's probably not a good feeling. So. Um, I just want to be healthy. Like, I don't even have a resolution. Like, I just want to be healed and not be in pain. And then, like, I'll be happy. Right. <laughs> like, You're not talking about, like, um, dieting or anything like that. You're just talking know. about I mean, it's like feeling okay right now. Of course I want all the things that I struggle with in life to be better this year. Like, all the... But, like... What's, that's like every week I feel that way. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just wishful thinking. Yeah. That's just, like, trying to be better at life has it been harder to do life with your current condition yeah it's been hard to work because i have to lay down i can't sit for long periods of time and it's like psychologically trying to work while you're laying down it's just like my brain is just like i don't know i feel like it doesn't work as well you feel okay right now no i'm like itch it's the itching is so bad right now like i just want to scratch so bad i'm so sorry but anyway how about you you got any resolutions Yeah, I wrote down some resolutions and some goals. I, I tried to sort of, like, separate those out. I wrote yeah. them down on a napkin on New Year's Day. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. Water. Oh, my goodness. Mickey Mouse. What? Look at those pancakes. Thank you. Thank you. I'll bring you more coffee and the tortillas. All right. Thank you. Wow. So we got some food today. I know. And my pancakes have Mickey Mouse face on them. Wow. I mean, that's got to make you feel a little bit better. Yeah. There's the photograph. There's your photograph. I only try to get... I mean, what's going on on my plate is not insubstantial or... Can you duck down? Oh, to get in the frame? Yeah. I'm trying to get the electrical outlet in the photo. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we're good. But just also the light's not great because you're backlit. Right. But... This is not a show about photography. Nope. That would make it even worse. <laughs> <laughs> we should do an all-photography episode where we just talk about our favorite we photographs. We just describe photographs that, to the other person. Now, you did a pretty good job of describing your T-shirt to me. Makes for good radio. That machaca looks good, man. Yeah, so machaca, what is it? I think it's usually it's just shredded beef. and. Um, Does it always have eggs in it? I don't know. I don't I, this. I don't think that it necessarily does. But what I have is some shredded beef scrambled up with eggs, peppers, tomatoes, Spanish rice on the side. Oh, here comes the tortillas. And delicious corn tortillas. Mm. Excellent. I'm glad that I asked. Oh, yeah, I guess so. I mean, since you're here. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you so much. And then I also have refried beans covered in cheese, Spanish rice, and chips on the side. Tortillas and a fresh tomato salsa. Looks pretty good. Are you removing your nose, mouth, and eyes of your Mickey Mouse? Just for the buttering. For the buttering. Like, you want a smooth, even butter. Oh, yeah. You need a smooth surface, for sure. I think that it's good. um, Oh, wow. I wonder if they do that for everybody. I've never... I mean, I've ordered the short stack before, and they didn't do it before. Do you think that our stock has gone up 
at the Astros since we well, started Well, I, I was a little worried when I saw that you were back here that our stock had gone down. I was like, oh, fuck, they moved us <laughs> back to the... <laughs> To, well, somebody to the a, forsaken land next to the speaker that plays pop music. <laughs> it's, pretty it's like, are they just trying to get us to stop doing the show? They're like, just put them by the speaker. It's slow today, um, which yeah. adds up because things get slow this time of year. Everybody's done going out, done spending money. Yeah. Their resolution is to probably, like, not eat diner food. It being much. January 5th, which is, is it the 11th or the 12th day of Christmas? I don't know, man. Tomorrow is Epiphany, which is when the wise men, you know, finally make it to to the manger. A healthy dose of syrup for Mickey Mouse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let's let's see what this machaca is all about. Mm. That's a juicy salsa. How is it? Delish. So, <laughs> this so what you, do you want to talk kick, about? This is a kickback episode. Yeah, old school. <laughs> we'll do an old school. <laughs> We're kicking it old school today. Do you want to talk specifically about your resolutions, or do you want to just? Oh sure. Uh, tell us how you ended up in a roadside motel in New Jersey. <laughs> the roadside motel was the destination. Mm. Um, Sometimes the journey is the destination. That's right. <laughs> it was the uh, Alamo Motel. And sometimes the destination is the destination. <laughs> In Santa Barbara wine country. Mmm. Fancy. Oh, I guess so. I mean, it's a motel that... I believe I, wine is the fanciest drink of them all. Oh, yeah, it's the king of fancy drinks. Which is why I'm into it, because I'm so fancy. You are, no, fa- you are a fancy lad. I'm a fancy lad. Thank you. I had heard about this place that it's owned by the same people who own the, I believe it's the Casa Ojai Inn, Ran- Rancho Ojai Inn. There, there's kind of a motel in Ojai that's been taken over and, you know, beautified a little. It's basically, it's like hipsterized roadside motel. It's just that, you know, there's kind of a nice aesthetic sensibility and the rooms have been somewhat refurbished and, like, the door is literally, the old door is covered with, like, some, like, you know, untreated wood to make it look a little bit cooler and there's a fire pit in the middle. And there's actually a little, a tiny, like, kit house, like, hut in the courtyard of the motel, which I don't know if that had been there before, where you can get wine, which we didn't. Um, You didn't get wine in Santa Barbara wine country. No, no, we got some wine in Santa. We got some fantastic wine. Oh. The first thing that we did was uh, stop on the way up in a town called Buellton, which is famous for Anderson's Pea Soup. Um, all right. I always do the billboards, but I've never been. It's all sort of San Inez Valley, so it's like San Inez, Buellton, Los Alamos, Los Olivos. Is it more than just a fi- like gimmicky billboard? Is there actual good pea soup there? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. You've never been to that restaurant? No. You got to go. All right. But this is not far from there. Other side of the highway, there's sort of like a little bit of a warehouse district. And there's this winery um, with these wines that I'd heard of. It's called Lo-Fi. And all the labels look like old record album labels. And it's just like a natural winemaker in that area who does really interesting stuff. And so we tasted like a ton of wines, and they were really, really good. Um, and that's how we started our our trip uh, to Santa Barbara wine co- country. It was Caitlin's birthday on January 2nd. and Same birthday as my mother and grandmother. Oh, really? Yeah. Your mother and your mother's mother? Yep. Huh. Born on the same day. Well, not the same day. That's biologically impossible. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you'd agree with this, but, you know, January 2nd can be kind of a tough birthday. Oh, it's the absolute worst. Yeah, because everybody's done. Everyone just got through New Year's and everyone's like not ready to go out and spend money or celebrate or drink or anything, you know? Yeah, it's terrible. It's been, or they're traveling or they're out of town. So for that reason, I try to do something to help Caitlin celebrate. So in this case, I didn't tell her where we were going. I just told her to bring some hiking boots and some, like a nice jacket and some layers to wear for when it got chilly at night. And a sextant. You just like throwing a bunch of weird things in there just to be like, yeah, throw her off the scent of the trail. Four carabiners, uh, 
Um, but she didn't know. She was guessing that we were, and I said it was a like, two to five hour drive. And so she thought that we were either going to Joshua Tree or Big Sur. Once we started going Everyone north. to Joshua Tree for New Year's. Right. Cliche. <laughs> Santa Barbara wine country. Um, but she couldn't guess, and the first stop was the winery. And I guess I had been emailing with the guy. Um, it's something that we do when we travel abroad we'll like reach out to winemakers because it's a really fun way to like just get to know somebody and you know like have an actual uh you know somewhat intimate experience with someone who's local yeah i feel like that's the key to travel is like having people when you get there that you know or at least can show you around i feel mm-hmm. like that makes a world of difference and people in wine winemakers are really receptive to that um, we've had some great experiences so but we hadn't what done do you that. say do you say like hey i'm a food writer no, I mean, in this case, I'd had this guy's wine it's oh. at uh, Silver Lake Wine, and I wrote to him. Actually, I asked the guys at like, Silver hey, Lake I Wine, am, so Lou as well. You probably know me from Live from Astro. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> I'm coming up I to need no introduction. No, I just, I, I looked up the website, and I wrote, you know, like, the form address, and I was like, hey, we're, like, wine lovers. We've had your wine at Silver Lake Wine. Do you do tastings or appointments or... Yeah. Ideally, it's like you can maybe like tour the vineyard with them or whatever. And, you know, because with natural winemakers, it's all about how the wine is made more than anything else. And so they're basically like small farmers and they obviously do what they do, not for like fame and glory, but because they love it. And they have these like often unusual old practices. So it's interesting to hear about. They're passionate about it. And I think that they, you know, right now there's like in natural wine, I think there's like a movement of sorts to like explain what it is yeah. and like, you know, grow its popularity. So he just emailed and he was like, yeah, come by anytime. Like we don't have like a formal tasting room. We have our winery itself, which is in Buellton and like, you can come by and taste. And so I set it up for like one o'clock so that we'd hit the road in the morning on New Year's Eve and be up there in time to taste. The night before, I drank a lot of wine. This friend of mine came to town from Montreal, uh, and he was staying with us, and we're like kind of like wine buds in a way. Uh-huh. Uh, we like, someone asked me to characterize a relationship, and I was like, we kind of direct message each other a lot of photos of wine bottles. Um, he's something of like a older brother figure to me. He uh, writes about food. He's been like very, very generous, always with his contacts and advice and like kind of just fraternally like looking at pitches, you know, like yeah. looking at stories. His name's Adam Leith Golner, um, and he's a fantastic writer. When he writes about wine, I think he's, like, literally the best living wine writer. Cause it's Damn! A, he, well, he makes it appealing. He's just a really good writer. I should read him, because I don't drink wine. He wrote this great piece about really... Georgian wine, which the Republic of Georgia is the oldest winemaking region in the world. Um, and he's also, he's, he's Hungarian, he lived in Hungary when, as, a, as a kid some of the time. So we went to Lou together, and it was so fascinating to go Lou, there. What's Lou? So Lou is possibly my favorite wine store in Los Angeles. Oh. Uh, uh, it's basically, it's kind of like an idiosyncratic, like, small record store, except for wine. Mm. Like, he puts his wine into categories that are, like, examples of them are Netflix and chill. Uh-huh. Like, that's an odd category. Um, Or, like, volcanic will often be a category. Like, so he carries wines that, like, often you can't find them anywhere else in L.A. or in the world. And it's, he's basically 100% natural wines. Wines that are just, like, very small production that you wouldn't find elsewhere. Yeah. So I went there with Adam, and and we saw a lot of Hungarian wines particularly. I don't usually venture over to the crisp white uh, section, but a lot of the wines from Hungary... It was basically a famous, like, dessert wine-making region. And uh, Ferment is is the grape, F-U-R-M-I-N-T. But um, during the era of the First and Second World Wars, all wine-making happened at the state level. It's like, basically, if you were a winemaker, you had to, like, give the grapes to the state to to make, like, the state's wine, like, during the communist era. Um, And all the sort of traditions of that went away and now they're kind of being rediscovered or people are trying to like you know figure out what that might have been like because for example like a lot of like 19th century wine writing say like these are some of the best wines in europe wow but they're also using the grape in a new way that i believe they never had before which is 
they're making dry wines from this grape. Huh. Um, but so Adam is very good for kind of going to a store like that and kind of like s assessing like, he's like, this is a good price for this wine, like things that I kind of don't know about. Um, I, I guess I realized when I was there with him that like maybe I know a little bit about like new world wines, but in terms of like old world wines, like I just don't really have the budget. Like he's really into Burgundy and like it's like to get decent Burgundy wines, it's like often gets to be a hundred dollars very quickly. Yeah. And for me, it's like I drink a lot more Beaujolais, which like the cheapest Beaujolais at Lou, they can even go down to like 12 or something like that. And then the most expensive are like 40, like the most expensive. Um, so I drink a lot more of those for that reason. And th they're also just like basically light, you know, juicy, like very drinkable, low alcohol content wines, which is what I like. It's just like good to drink with food, you know, in, yeah. in large quantities. So, sorry, we're talking about wine. <laughs> it's fine with me. So the night before, we had, Adam and I just like bought all these wines at Lou. He bought some that he was going to take home with him. He bought some that he wanted to open that night. I just decided that I would cook dinner. I was going to smoke a chicken. And so, um, and then my friend Alex Braverman and, and Juliet came over and brought a magnum of, we just drank so much wine. Yeah. And... It was great, but so then the next day I was like, and now at one o'clock p.m. we are going to taste more wine. Um, Were you hung over? I'd say I had a touch of the wine flu, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, uh, we we were off. It was the vacation, so I was ready to fight through. Yeah. But yeah, it was really, really pleasant, and it's really beautiful up there. We kind of drove past, you drive past, you know, the area that's been affected by the Thomas fire to get there, and then there's some really nice hikes. We went to the, for this hike um, at this school, um, Midland, which is a school where it's like, you like, chop all your own wood to like, make your own fire to heat the water for your bath. You're not going to bother us, no. Sure? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully we won't bother you. We've scared them off. <laughs> We've scared off the customers. Thank you. Sorry to intimidate you with our... <laughs> oh, thank you. Midland, which I hadn't been to since I was a teenager when I went to play um, third-team soccer against Midland, which is adjoining... Michael Jackson's ranch, Neverland. Now owned by somebody else. So we went for this great hike up there. And um, there was a really nice, like, pizza place in town that, you know, somebody from L.A. had started 14 yeah. years ago. Wow. Kanye um, Nast Traveler wrote this article about how, like, Los Alamos is, like, a new foodie destination. I wouldn't go that far. Yeah. But it's a very cool, just old-looking place. There's, like, an old saloon since, like, the 1880s that's wow. there. Uh, which is now a bar and kind of like event space, like you can rent the whole thing out. One bed and breakfast, the motel, a couple other restaurants, this great bakery that's sort of like a British-style bakery. Um, it was a fantastic place to stay. So we stayed there two nights and nice. drove back on Caitlin's birthday, yeah. I enjoy getting out of town for New Year's. Yeah. 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 What's on TV? Uh, they're announcing that Josh Gruden, no, John Gruden, sorry. <laughs> John Gruden is going to be the head coach of the Raiders. Do you know John Gruden? Um, I know his face. You know, I grew up with a family that watched football. I recognize him. I think he used to coach the Buccaneers, maybe. I think maybe he won a Super Bowl with the Buccaneers. We didn't get to that part. You grew up in a, in a sports-loving family? We already talked about my family. I feel like <laughs> it's time to talk about your family, or your upbringing, at least. But we don't have to. No, we can. But I still don't know if you have any New Year's resolutions. Do you have any New Year's resolutions? Honestly, my first and big New Year's resolution, and oddly one that I didn't even write down on that napkin, is self-forgiveness. Oh, self-forgiveness. What do you feel like you have to forgive yourself for? I just think that I'm like kind of hard on myself. Yeah. And I think that I would be happier and I would make other people happier if I just hit the breaks on that one you know like it's, it's getting old we've had yeah. 35 years of doing the opposite yeah i don't i mean what is it you feel like you have to forgive yourself for i think mostly it's just something where it's like stop sweating the small stuff yeah you know um like you have any examples i don't know that Today, there's been any... 
Stuff I don't want to get into. Sure. Yeah, yeah, but uh, uh, yeah, I can fine. think of a few that it's I don't want to get answer. into. Yeah. Um, but, you know, let that be, like, kind of a guiding... I mean, it could also be... We could translate it as something more like... Chill out, you know? Like, yeah. Um, but I have, I have other ones, like... I, some of the goals are, like, travel more, read more. All the same bullshit that everyone puts. Yeah, in totally. Yeah. It's totally boring. It, but I decided yeah. to write some down on a, on a napkin, you yeah. know, just to, like, articulate it for myself. That's good. Yeah. Do we have any... Uh, Are you healthier? Letters or comments? I think <laughs> I think everyone stopped listening to the show, and now we don't have any. We haven't been soliciting them, and, and no, I don't think that we do. We're 40 minutes into this beast of an episode. Yeah. How do you feel like this episode is going? Now we're going to go back to this part. I, I was going to say, actually, talking to Nick White, we actually made it through an episode last week without talking about Nick White, but then I was telling Nick White what you oh were boy, saying about Nick how again. about how you didn't want to talk so much about... I forget how you phrased it, but you were like I, reflexive or you didn't yeah, want to... Yeah. And he was like, oh, I like that about the show. That we're always talking about what the show is? Yeah. All right, fine. Let's, we can do five minutes on that. <laughs> So I feel like I, I feel good about it. I feel like like you feel good about this well, episode. Yeah, I do. But I also feel like what is good about the show is that it's just like natural conversation and banter. And I feel like right. I'm inclined to want to talk about what we're doing. I don't know because it's on your mind. Yeah, and we like have these microphones in front of our faces. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Pe- let's talk about it. Um. And I'm just, I don't know, I just also feel like last week when I was just talking about myself the whole time, it just seemed really boring to me. I disagree. All right, well. I thought it was great. I thought it was great to hear about where you're from, set up who you are. I don't think that anybody who doesn't know you personally would have known anything about you based on the other episodes. You would have to kind of read between yeah. the lines. But I also feel like that, you know, that question that you always, always ask when you're making a story is like, why should anyone care about this character? And I also feel like, why does anyone care about it? And also it's like, well... If you don't care about us as characters, then you probably aren't listening to the show. So that's like, problem solves itself. Well, I think that it gives people context. Yeah. I think that context is important well, for like any we story. Well, I need more context about you. Fine. <laughs> Let's do it. You have any questions? Well, I want to know what it was like growing up in L.A. Growing up in L.A. was... It seems like it would be really fun. A contradiction in itself. What do you mean? Well, uh, so, funny thing about... My upbringing. Um, I mean, growing up in L.A. was like, it was an interesting time because I was born in 1982. So, like, when I was 10, the riots happened. Yeah. And you uh, remember all that. Oh, yeah. 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 Like, you remember it from the news or do you remember it from, like, being out in the streets and seeing it? <laughs> out in the streets. Wild in the streets. No, oh, I mean, I, I remember being pulled out of school the day that it got really bad you know the day that Florence and Normandy happened yeah um I remember the National Guard walking around my neighborhood after the riots uh I remember what what neighborhood were you in so I grew up near the corner of Melrose and Western okay in sort of eastern Hollywood and like the Winchell's Donuts that's still there was known as a place where night walkers would uh, congregate. So we weren't night allowed walkers. to walk down there. I was allowed to walk to the corner store, Casey's Liquor Mart. The, the <laughs> you building. can go to the liquor store, but you can't go to the donut shop. <laughs> I could pick up things on my dad's tab and, and sign for him and bring them back. As I remember, that, well, that one might be an invented memory. <laughs> In that same mini mall is this place, Odds Odd Hair Salon, o, Hair Salon, O-D-D. He was this Thai guy with this glorious long... Uh, ponytail and I would get my hair cut there um, and that sign is still there but I noticed that recently there's been a sign put under it for something else and so I guess odds not there anymore now I go across the street to renew my medical marijuana prescription (laughs) Dr. Sonia Patel which is uh, irrelevant now right yeah now that we're legal it's January 1st but so that area it's basically like it's not Koreatown, because Koreatown is more south of there, mm-hmm. but Western is a major thoroughfare where there's a lot of Korean, absolutely, there's a lot of Korean-owned businesses, and Western is famous during the riots for, it's the place where uh, Korean business owners got on the roofs of their businesses with guns, because there was a lot of tension between the African-American and I'm Korean work, I work on a story about that right now. Right. So, yeah. so up and down Western, 
there was a lot of looting and, you know, violence and there were like gunfights in the street during the riots. During, so after that first day, it might have been that day that um, my mother took me and my sister out to Tarzana. We had some fr family friends who lived out in Tarzana and we stayed there for the duration of the riots. My dad stayed at home and watered the roof, as he says, so that it wouldn't catch fire. Yeah. But when we came back, um, there was a furniture store on the northwest corner of Melrose and Western that had been burned. Uh, I remember there's this gun store um, on Western, on the west side of the street, south of there. And it said guns, and the sign was made out of golden sequins. And it wow. had also been looted and charred. Wow. And um, I remember that. Um, were your parents talking about it? Like, do you remember conversations? Oh, yeah. And then what were they saying? I mean, the day that the riots started, I was in school uh, at St. James, which is on the corner, it's still there, on the corner of Wilshire and St. Andrews. We walked by there recently together. Um, it's a church and an Episcopal school, elementary school. And I must have been, if I was 10, maybe I was in fourth grade. I remember something happened we were told that we were all gonna be picked up by our parents early. Um, and we all went to the art room to pass the time. And as I remember, I was one of the last kids to be picked up and we were given some things to like draw with. And, and me and this kid, Scott Key, who, I w who was one of my classmates, were drawing these terrible violent images of, I think, you know, people shooting at each other and, yeah. and, and you know, helicopters and and like the army coming in because that's what was happening yeah uh and and we knew about that i doubt that they had played us any news footage in school um but somehow i knew that even that first day that that we got picked up i mean it was yeah we knew what was going on yeah. of course um and then we had to go to tarzana to like avoid the violence and looting yeah and the house that I grew up in is near the corner of Melrose and Western, but there are these two little cul-de-sacs there, and it's sort of like this little oasis. So, I mean, that's part of the, this. What it was like to grow up in L.A. for me was it was just like this duality between kind of like city life or whatever and what you would imagine growing up in L.A. might be like. Yeah. And this existence that was kind of like outside of time where like, there's this photograph of uh, my family that was in the L.A. Times gardening section, which there used to be a gardening section. I don't think it was every week, but maybe yeah. it was once a month or something like that. Grew up in this little, I've talked about it on the podcast before, um, it was a double lot with a tiny craftsman house built by a one-armed judge and his horticulturist wife, uh, wife with all these great fruit trees. Um, and we were featured, for that reason, in the gardening section of the L.A. Times. These two cul-de-sacs are like a historically designated neighborhood. They have these old-fashioned street lamps. All the houses are from the teens, which is really old in L.A. Mostly they're old craftsmen. Um, but there's a picture of us, and it's like uh, my dad and my mom, and I think that like one of them is holding like a, like a rake or a hoe, and my sister and myself in front of them, and you know I may be like four, and she's maybe six. And except for the fact that I think there's a McCabe's Guitar Shop logo on my T-shirt, which was my favorite shirt when I was a kid, like, this picture could have been... It was taken in, like, the 1980s, but it literally could be the 1880s. Yeah. Um, and that's what our life was like. It was, like, very parochial, kind of. Yeah. And it was like, I come from a very traditional household, like, amid... You know, like, my parents are, like, both artists and, like, kind of work in Hollywood yeah. and... LA was kind of crazy. It wasn't just the riots. It was so there was the Rodney King riots. Right. There was, um, you know, the earthquake, which was crazy traumatic. Yeah. Our chimney fell in, and wow. that, that's when we moved from that house was after the earthquake. Uh, and it was kind of like the end of my childhood. I feel like. Wow. Uh, there was OJ. You know, it was just like, you know, when I think of the music of my childhood, it's like either like. We were only allowed to listen to the classical station in the car. Wow. KUSC. Well, there, and there was another one at the time, and I can't remember what the call letters were, but it was 105.1. But then when we were on our own, you know, all the music was like hip-hop, Power 106. It was like, you know, The Chronic. Yeah. Like Ice Cube. Yeah. I think my first CD was Arrested Development, which is a different 
part of right. uh, hip hop. But, <laughs> yeah. And like Hammer Don't Hurt Him, Please Hammer Don't Hurt Him was one of my early cassettes. Yeah. But it's like all the music that us kids listened to was all like yeah. old, like, like early 90s hip hop. Um, but then when I went home, it was like we weren't allowed to watch television. Uh, except for Nature and sometimes Masterpiece Theater on Sunday nights. Wow. Uh, like, I wasn't allowed to have a Nintendo. wasn't allowed to eat junk food. I went to this doctor. Paul Fleiss was his name. He's famous. Heidi Fleiss's father. <laughs> well, he's also famous. He's all, he was famous even he's outside of that. He's famous in his own right. So, but yeah. at the time, and it continues to this day, he's, he's dead now, I think, but his clinic still exists. But in, like, the 80s, you know, this is sort of like... Probably, like, the health food movement, like, really started in L.A. in, like, the 70s, probably, yeah. like, with, like, the source and vegetarianism and all that yeah. stuff. But it, by the 80s, it was, like, kind of cool in Hollywood to take your kids to Paul Fleiss, who's a pediatrician. No refined sugar. Um, it was, like, his very strict diet. I used to get a lot of ear infections, and he had some sort of, like, natural remedy for that. And eventually, uh, we stopped going to Paul Fleiss, and we went to Dr. Biederman at Cedar sinai which is where I was born. Uh, but... You know, it was like a very kind of conservative upbringing for me. Um, but also it was like I had a sense that it was amid these other extremes, yeah. you know, like wasn't allowed to have refined sugar. But like that's why we went to like the Ralph's or the Vaughn's one day. And like, you know, in the checkout aisle, as there is today, there was always gum. And there was a spearmint gum pack there, which I think at the time cost 10 cents. Do you remember how I used to have the price, the little, you know, um, light green pack of gum comes with five sticks and it would say the, mm -hmm. the, the price on yeah. it i think it was five cents wasn't it might have been five but in any case i knew that i wasn't allowed to have it and i knew that it had sugar in it and i knew that like friends of mine already could have it and i was probably i think i was in preschool i might have been four you know and so of course i stole one yeah and and of course i offered a stick to my sister because she lived under the same oh, health I see regime where this that is i going. did <laughs> I've been told that I'm speaking too loud. I do need to talk, stop talking so much, and I need to. That should be my New Year's resolution. Oh, I'm sorry to everyone. <laughs> Don't be so hard on yourself. No. So I offered, yeah, self forgiveness. So I offered a stick to my sister um, in confidence, and she she took one look at it, and she immediately called out for my mother to come rushing what? from the other room. Yeah. What up? <laughs> and so my mother Snitch. sees us with this gum, and I confess to what I've done. And so my father, um, who is the disciplinarian, uh, you know, I think it was 25 cents. Okay, let's say it's five cents. Maybe it's 25 cents. This is a fact check away because it was, at any rate, it was the mid to late 80s, so we could easily find out what it might have been. But he gave me a coin of that value, and he drove me back to the store the next day, I believe, because it was nighttime. I remember what it looked like and where we were when I offered my sister the, the gum. And he, we pulled up into the parking lot of the grocery store, and... He told me to go in by myself, you know, which I was however old I was. I was like four or five and ask for the manager and apologize to him and tell him what I had done and pay for the pack of gum that I had stolen. And I'll never forget doing that and how, you know, incredibly stressful that oh was. Oh, my God, so much shame. And walking into that store by myself, into yeah. this huge high ceiling supermarket, you know, with all these strangers and, you know, you're just looking at people's knees or whatever. Yeah. Not only that, but the ignominy of having to approach someone yeah. and ask for the manager, which is like a total abstract concept to a kid of that age. Yeah. And then to, to be received by this, as I remember, you know, very tall, older, bald man with like gray hair and a tie, you know, so I knew that who he was. Uh -huh. And he was like looking down at me or kneeling down at me. And I, I explained to him what had happened and I apologized. And, you know, I said that I... I recited whatever script my father had given me to, to say to him. And I offered him the nickel or whatever it was. And I remember the look of like utter confusion on his face because it's just not a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> I probably, you know, looked terrified. Yeah. I, I'm sure I was. 
Like, um, probably like, is this a scam? Like, <laughs> is this like well, a setup? No, I just, I, I think I realized something maybe in that moment about how we were, that that we kind of lived by different rules, you know, than society, <laughs> the rest of society. Did, yeah, yeah. You know, in like in this place where for a lot of people there are no rules or, you know, there are no values. For example, like we had a lot of values and a lot of like, there's a lot of formality to my mm -hmm. upbringing. You know, it was a lot of like sir and ma'am only speak when spoken to, you know, church every Sunday. Do you think that's why you are so hard on yourself? Because <laughs> you like feel like so much of what you do as an adult is maybe like, I don't know, it seems like when you get older, you realize you get to make your own rules. And I'm guessing a lot of the rules that you make for yourself are different than the rules your parents would have made. Do you feel like that's why you have to always feel like you need to are being so hard on yourself? Maybe. I mean, I'm sure it connects. Or maybe you're just fucking up too much. Well, I think no, if, you, if you grow up with, <laughs> with any value system, I mean, yeah, then you, you reassess and you kind of make your own values. Yeah. Uh, but things like that, it's like, you know, there are moments and like formative experiences that, you know, affect you in all kinds of ways, whether you yeah. think about them directly or not. I think that there's still some stuff going on that is hard to understand, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, yeah, that was that was big. What are we at? What's the clock at? Fifty-six minutes, ten seconds. Well, four minutes. Yeah. How does yeah. it feel to talk about yourself? Feels fine. That's good. I mean, maybe one of my New Year's resolutions should be just to be less self-conscious. I mean, I think we live in a very neurotic age where it's like, yeah. you know, like Instagram is like the ultimate like neurotic way of expressing yourself where you're like this is how i should be you know this is how or any social media it's like yeah you're presenting the version of yourself um and i think it's good to always be like trying to like crack that for yourself yeah because why why yeah yeah it's just like just because of your little ego yeah. little man <laughs> little man who cares yeah and i think that it's refreshing you know to to be around people and be around things that are like less self-conscious and less neurotic. So I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> Why? How do you feel about talking about yourself? Um, I, I feel like no one cares and it's boring. I feel the same <laughs> about my, my stuff. Yeah. But and I, think, I, I just don't understand why anyone should care about, you know, how I grew up. Well, for listeners of this show, it, I That's think true. That it, it helps provide the context. no, you're right. But yeah, I mean, growing up in L.A. was great. It was, it's sort of like where we grew but up. But I don't do this show for other people. I do it for myself. Hey, I'm, I'm back to myself <laughs> okay. here, okay? I'm not even listening to you anymore. <laughs> Enough about me. What do you think about me? What do you think about me? What were you going to say? No, you're going to say something. You have to go. I was just going to fill the time. I, there's a lot of this stuff. It, it's like, you know, the house across the street from where we grew up was occupied by these twins from Kansas. And their Kids? names were, No, they were like in their 20s, Runs. probably. Okay. Yeah. Don and John. Don and John from Kansas? Yeah. Huh. Um, and uh, through that household, um, and th there was a, a third roommate, and I can't remember his name right now. Like, uh, I learned about HIV and AIDS and homosexuality in between those Wait, two houses. How did you learn about it? Because one of them contracted it. It was the 80s. Oh, you know, wow. I mean, the 80s. Do you remember how scary AIDS was in the 80s? It's so different now. Yeah, but in a very abstract way. And it was like, just say no. and I was in just say no. Yeah. Yeah. It was dare. But, uh, but to me, none of it, I don't think I ever really connected any of it with the bigger issues. To me, it was like, just say no is this fun thing I go to where I get a green t-shirt and we play games. Yeah. Like, in my mind, it had nothing. To, like, I didn't... It's like, that's... To me, that's the big problem with all that stuff is, like, I didn't know what drugs were. Like, but you didn't you know, know what you were saying no to. Yeah, like, yeah. a lot of it is based on these irrational fears that, like, teenagers are going to, like, be giving acid in, like, apple razor blades to kids. And it's like, that's bullshit. That doesn't happen. So why are you trying to tell kids to say no to something they haven't even been introduced to yet? Like, when I look back on it, I just think it's such a waste because it's like, I didn't 
drugs were not a part of my life in any way when I was in elementary school, you know? Well, thanks a lot, First Lady Reagan. I hope you're listening. <laughs> that was her big thing, right? Yeah, yeah, it was. Well, um, should right. we say yes to another episode, or should we just stop doing this in 2018? Yeah, we should keep doing it. Okay. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Every episode just ends with us trying to decide if we should keep doing it. <laughs> It's a cliffhanger. It's good. <laughs> yeah. You'll have to look here to find out more. Yeah, every episode is potentially the last. Thanks for listening, whoever you are. Yeah. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs>